Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by Federated Insurance, 3M, and Conquer. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, we host guest Aaron Bitlacho. Aaron is the founder and owner of AV Painting a residential painting company based in Seattle that currently does over $2 million in annual revenue. Aaron has seen rapid growth over the last two years, but some recent conversations have shifted his mindset into thinking much bigger than he had previously believed possible. Aaron discusses why thinking bigger is key to maximizing your impact as a business owner and how painting contractors can learn from other industries, both in and out of home services. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Aaron, thank you for coming on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about AV Painting. Where are you guys based? Uh, what do you do? What's going on? AV Painting is based in Seattle. I started in College Works Painting in 2006 as a freshman. I went to Whitman College and then uh, started 2007 just painting on my own. And so it's been like 15 years in the business. And it was very slow, steady growth those first 10 years or so. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those charts where it's like the hockey stick after 10 years. Yeah. Have you seen that? Uh, hockey, hockey, I have hockey stick growth. Yeah. Well, yeah, it took me, took me a while to see what's possible in this business. So, yeah. So I guess how long did it take you to, well, well let's back up. So how much revenue did you do in 2021? Uh, we produce 1.6 million. Okay, 1.6. Nice, man. And you guys are strictly residential repaints in Seattle. That's right. 70% exterior, 30% interior. Excellent. And then what do you foresee for 2022 revenue? Um, I'm thinking 2 million. Um, I decided not to hire another sales rep this year. I was considering going for like 2.5 and um, 2.5 or three. Um, but I decided to focus more on the production side and getting really good systems in on, on that. I have my sales and marketing pretty well running. Um, but I felt like last year we didn't quite deliver the highest level of service that, that was, is really possible. So I feel like I'm just going to kind of take the organic growth and kind of run my same sales and marketing. I mean, if we, if we grow 10% or 15% um, these days, it's like not even real growth. It's just inflation growth. <laughs> yeah. So let me, let me ask you this then. How long did it take you to get to your first million in annual revenue? Last year was our, our was our first year because uh, 2020 we did like uh, around 800. Okay. Wow. So you doubled. Yeah. 800 to one six. Congratulations. So yeah, hockey stick growth you had. So you, when did you start this company? I know you've been in the business for 15 years. 
Um, well, I mean, basically it started in 2007, even though you can't really count that as AV painting if I just like painted a, my neighbor's house. But uh, that was I, the seed. That's, that's, the seeds that's of basically AV where it started. Yeah. Okay. So the seeds of AV painting, AV painting were established in 2007. Uh, 2020, you were at 800,000, just growing organically. Uh, 21 was was a, a pretty good year, um, exceptional yeah. for you. You doubled. Uh, 1.6, and now you're on track to do over two this year, and you think you could um, probably even reach three if you had had decided to do that, but you really want to focus on systematizing and, and yeah, I mean, control. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not fun just to run a, a business at two or three million if the systems aren't in place you know it's just like you don't like fires it's like too much of a, a shit show yeah yeah you yeah it's it's interesting you know it's, it's kind of what is your what is your tolerance for for pain almost in the way of, of putting out client fires or customer fires um well well i saw what was possible when i systematized the sales side so i just need to do that on the production side in like you know hire project managers and get them into a a flow. I've been working the last few days on, on uh, charting out like a flow chart of like what happens through every step. Like, like the other day we were working on what happens when a after a job is sold. What are like getting super granular on like what emails and texts need to be sent and the color consultations and then um, you know wrapping in a lot of ideas of the stuff I've learned from people at, at Expo and other events like um, Jason Phillips idea of the weekly hugs. We're gonna implement that where someone books a job and then we reach out every week, just say, hey, we're thinking about you. We're coming up on your job, nothing's changed. But so yeah, if I can get a really good process on that on that side after the job is sold and that's gonna make my life way better. Yeah, that's great, man. Um, yeah, the expo is definitely has, has a lot of um ideas and and a whole lot you know to come back with i think sometimes it can be a little bit overload but you, you and i had a really great conversation but before we go into that because i know once we do it's really going to take off i want to talk about when you doubled your business you know 2020 to 2021 what happened how'd you go from 800 to 1.6 in one year um well shout out to garrett martell because uh garrett he helped me a lot um It'll tie into our other conversation once we get off on that. But um, yeah. how it really happened is uh, making the decision to 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 hire a sales rep and and it, with with a full time sales rep, I think my, the big hurdle was like, hey, let me make sure I have enough leads for this guy. I was kind of afra afraid that you know if I didn't have the leads, then it wasn't going to work. And um, so we I ended up. Garrett helped me do a postcard campaign. Nice. Um, that was the big difference because if we were selling 800, like just based on, you know, mostly organic, maybe a little bit of Google ads. Actually, in COVID, I paused my Google ads because everything got crazy and then didn't even really need it. So I sold 800 almost like organically. So I guess I added 800 just on postcards and a little bit of and some Google ads as well. And then yeah. hiring the sales rep, training the sales rep, making sure he knows the process for estimating. That took a lot of, takes like about a month, took me about a month to, to get him. And surprisingly, like I took a guy that sold me my truck. He worked at Ford, Kevin. Shout out to Kevin Barda. Um, but uh, I was recruiting, trying to like hire off Indeed, wasn't really getting great candidates. And then I was... Um, you know, have you ever heard of that book, The A Method for Hiring? I have, yep. I was following that system. And what's funny about that book is that they don't even have a section for how to hire on job from job postings because they're, oh, they're just like, it's like networking, um, headhunter firms. Like there's other ways to get people. Um, anyways, I, I onboarded him, trained him for a month and surprisingly, like, it seems kind of scary to just like throw your whole estimating sector onto someone that's never done painting before. But um, there were surprisingly few jobs that were terribly underbid or something. You know, it worked. So with with Garrett, were you were you using his service, TradesFix? Yeah, 
So, okay, awesome. So a little plug for Garrett, tradesfix.com. Garrett Martel is the man with direct mail marketing. Plug him again. Um, yeah, I actually met him in person for the first time at the Expo, so that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I want to, you and I, we, we were, I think we're, it was one of the evening events. We were grabbing a drink and, and talking, and I think you had just gotten done talking with Garrett, and you had some really interesting thoughts about mindset about how a lot of painting company owners think about things and where you see room for improvement. Let's, let's dive in, man. Go. Well, I'll tell you about, about what's been true for me. Um, so in 2019, um, well, I guess I could even back up a little further. I'd say like 2017, 2018, I started thinking like about getting more into the business and I felt like for the first 10 years, I was, I, I hated being a painting contractor and didn't want to do it. And, <laughs> That's a lot of time, man. You have a, a high uh, tolerance for pain, I guess. Well, it's not that bad when you're only doing it for six months out of the year. And then the other six months you go yeah. galvanting around the globe and skiing, or I spent like four years in Whistler skiing full-time and nice. spent like four, four years in Mexico kite surfing other few years traveling around Europe and New Zealand or whatever so that was kind of like my my thing where I would just like paint six months make make enough money to to get me through the next six months and then come back and I'm like oh damn it now I have to start working again yeah um, but um so I started to you know around 2018 I started thinking more about like uh growing the business and I started reaching out to some local guys in my area and one of them was like, I'm not really the guy you want to talk to about this, but you should join this, this group, the business brush. So I, I joined this Facebook group and then um, I started reading some stuff on there. And then uh, Garrett posted something like, Hey, some, anyone want to go to PCA commercial forum in Sedona? And I didn't really care about the forum or the event, but I just want to go to Sedona. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And we had a fun time, like, hiking around Grand Canyon. And then I got to know Garrett because um, we do, they have all those awesome rocks and stuff around there. And yeah. it was really fun. We went a few days early. And then that's when I started to see, oh, I didn't know you could run. Uh, I didn't know you could do this, like, $5 million company, 20% net, make a million dollars a year. Didn't seem like he was working that much harder than I was. Like, why wouldn't I just want to do that? Right. So that was like my first inspiration of like what was possible. Also, it was important for me that Garrett was like close to my age. He's actually a few years younger. Um, same business model, same type of business mind. Whereas like I had, I had an idea of like a painter contractor as like this like, you know, 45, 50 year old dude that's like loves the craft and just has like 30 painters and mm -hmm. sound like something I never wanted to do. But Garrett put the example of like the business person with a sub model that can make a lot of money. So um, after that, I was like, okay, I can do that. Uh, that sounds doable. Um, and then as, so that was like my impetus to grow from like 800 to 1.6. And, but I felt that I was kind of, uh, there was something a little bit missing in my energy because I, even though I had been inspired to grow my company, my, I had this idea of like, okay, let's get to 5 million. If I'm making a million dollars a year, I don't need any more money than that. Um, then I'll just go do something else. But I didn't really know what that something else would be anyway. So I didn't have a clear vision of like what, what my awesome life is going to be. I just wanted to not do what I'm doing. So that's like <laughs> the, the energy behind that is like, I don't want to do this. I still don't want to be doing what I'm doing, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. even, so funny, man. Not a lot so of like, people come on this and say, I don't want to be doing this, but I appreciate yeah. the candor. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's holding me back, right? Like if you, when you're not doing something that you want to be doing, like it's very hard to, to just like sit down and like grind through it like all the big visionary people that have done amazing things, the reason they've done it is because when it gets hard, 
they love what they're doing. They're inspired. They, they have enough energy to like take them through. Yeah, so when I'm, helps. yeah, the, the passion will carry you through the tough times. Right. So if I don't have the, if I don't have like that passion, it's not enough just to be like, Oh, it'd be, I want the million dollars. It's like, it's not enough. There's I don't think enough. anyone, anyone in the world has ever been, man, it'd be cool to be super rich. Like make millions of millions. I don't think that thoughts ever really cross anyone's mind. This, this I is think it. for I think I think for some people that probably would be enough. But I'm just speaking for me personally. Like it's uh, yeah. I'm like yeah. I mean, especially if if on 1.6 million, I'm still making like a few hundred thousand dollars. Like I don't need like the money after several hundred thousand dollars a year is like not making a huge difference mm-hmm. to the point where I'm just like yes, I have to have it. So my my breakthrough moment was uh when i started i went to some other events for home improvement contractors and and started meeting some other people running like 100 million dollar companies um i went to top 500 remodelers in new orleans last fall and uh like there's a like there's dudes running roofing companies 300 million dollars uh, home improvement companies that like 700 million. And so I started getting me thinking a little bit. I went to uh, Accelerate Live in Fort Lauderdale uh, a few weeks before the Orlando conference, which is mm-hmm. another home improvement, uh, not painting specific, but home improvement specific. Sure. I met some, I met some good guys there. And, um, you know, there's other, there's, there's exciting things happening in this industry. Like there's roll ups happening where like companies are getting, conglomerated and bought and um there's like arbitrage happening where you can take you can buy up a few companies that are worth like you know a million dollars here like this company's worth a million this company's worth a million you can get like five companies together and suddenly instead of like a 3x multiple now it's worth 6x multiple because it's valued more the bigger the company so um and just like realizing the opportunity in home improvement like I remember back in the day, uh, I was like, man, I don't want to be doing this painting thing. This, this sucks. I want to do something exciting. So I went to the Seattle Startup Week and all these like startup companies, you know, like, oh, this would be exciting. None of them make any money. That's what's, that's the deal with startups. Go be, be a tech entrepreneur. You're yeah, going like, to be like, the next unicorn. Oh, yeah. You have like the one in a, one a in million a, shot. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, man, this, this isn't too bad. I guess it's home improvement thing. So, um, so then I started thinking like, what, what would be like really inspiring? And uh, to, so I started thinking bigger, like, I think part of the a common thing that I see like at the expo and stuff, it's like, okay, how much money do you need to live your life? Right. And I feel like that's a limiting factor because like I said, the money, once you get to a certain point, you have enough money. So I started thinking about like, what would it be like to run a $5 million company? What would it be like to run a $25 million company or a $50 million company or a $100 million company? Or what would it be like to run the biggest painting company in the, in the nation? So CertiPro does like 700 something million. What would, like, if you're gonna beat CertiPro, that's like a billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. So what, what would, who, who's the man that I would have to become to run a $100 million company? or a billion dollar company. It's, it's too big to like comprehend the difference right now, but like just thinking, thinking that scale. um, Yeah. Like who, who do I have to become? And that's like the, what the real growth is. It's like the, the personal development of, of what's, what's going to be asked of me. And then, and then another aspect that motivates me is like the talent development aspect of it, because what I've heard from all these big organizations that are like hundred million dollar plus it becomes a, a talent development, a people funnel. Like these, these companies and, and uh, Brandon Vaughn talked about this at, uh, at his uh, thing at the expo where focusing on the people and treating your talent pool and your recruiting as marketing. So like yep. a lot of people focus on their marketing and they track their ROI, but are you tracking your, like where you're tr- posting ads or wh- where yep. you're getting referrals and how are you getting people? So these huge firms, they're just like, they're focused on like, how do you funnel people into your organization? How do you get top level talent? 
another thing that was a light bulb for me was uh, I read a couple things um, from like billionaire type people that said it's not any easier to run a small business than it is a big business. It's actually harder to run a small business because you can't attract level 10 talent. If I have a, a $2 million company, I don't have enough space in the company to attract like, I mean, maybe I can develop someone into it, but like if I have a $100 million company, the, the quality of people that I can hire is I have more leeway. I can have more capital. I can hire like super high level people. And that's like what great companies are. And that's what I want to do is like be surrounded by great people and develop people, take people with opportunity, like say people that are graduating college or in their mid twenties, they're like, they don't have anything. They're kind of just searching for something like, Hey, here's an organization that's going to like develop you into your potential. And then what, what would happen from there, like now, let's say I, re I retire from this $100 million company at some point, what are all my connections going to be? Like, I'm going to have this huge pool of people that are going to be like moving through my organization, starting their own businesses, like the opportunities are going to be vast. So that's what I mean by money not being the, the deciding factor. It's like, what's the, what's the life that is possible at a bigger scale? So you basically, well, let me ask you this. Have you decided what you want? I mean, are you aiming for a billion dollar revenue company? What's your goal? I mean, I feel like that's kind of uh, absurd to, to Aaron, this say is, that I want to be a, this a is gonna be company. listened to, I think by, you know, well over a thousand, potentially thousands of people. This is your <laughs> opportunity we're recording this on March 10th, 2022. This is your opportunity to put a stake in the ground. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate this. No worries. I didn't want to put you on the spot, you know, <clears throat> nothing like that. I wanted to keep it casual. Um, I, I, I can't say billion at this point, but I, I could say hundred million. Okay. It's a pretty big stake. I like that. So you're, yeah. you're committed at this point, you decided that you're going to build a company to over hundred million. Yep. I love it, man. Are you going to stick just to painting or are you thinking about expanding into other home improvement services? I don't know. There's a few models for that kind of growth. Like, uh, like one thing that opened my mind at the expo was uh, hearing Brandon, I saw his map to a million thing in where he created his um, epoxy or garage door floor, garage floor coating company. And he's, yeah. he's already, he's already franchised it into like seven locations. So there's a franchise model that you could do. Um, Start yes. a pros doing a, a franchise model. You, that's, a, that's one way you could, you could scale rapidly. You, I could uh, grow through acquisition, um, you know, acquiring different companies. Um, I could expand services in, in the more regional way I could add, I could find like a champion for a roofing division and then get into that um I you could potentially even do licensing I don't know if anyone's done that in the industry but um you could create like a kind of a model for how the business is how you run a residential painting company and then license your systems to people um there's different ways of doing it so um I don't have a I don't have a plan yet. I think the first, um, I don't, I think the plan to grow to 5 million is still the plan. It's just that now I have more energy behind it because that's not where I'm going to stop and go try and find some other thing to do that. I don't even know what I would be doing. Um, so, uh, I mean, I still, I, I can't think too far ahead, um, like granularly. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's good to have like the idea of like, you know, putting the feelers out. Like I had a meeting with, the another contractor locally yesterday, who was also an ex college works guy, you know, getting, getting him thinking big and just like, um, keeping in touch with my talent network, you know? So as my company grows, then if I have opportunities, I can, I can wrap people in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. It's, <clears throat> I always refer to it as a B, B hag you know, big, hairy, audacious goal, um, I think is great. It's a common, common term people use, but the, 
So we work with Paris Painting and Painting Marketing Pros does. And I was visiting Jason, um, Jason's headquarters. So they have a holdings company, Olive Holdings. And he does something kind of similar uh, to what you were explaining with the licensing. And it's kind of interesting. The way that he's decided, obviously he's built a successful painting business. They're on track to do over 11 million this year and targeting um, over 30 within five years. And what he's doing is basically taking a minority stake in, in promising painting companies and using a capital infusion in addition to a knowledge infusion uh, with that company to ultimately basically own a, a minority stake in, a whole, in, in many painting companies across the country. So I think it sounds kind of similar to what you were saying with the licensing, you know, selling, selling them your system. Um, I guess his involves some capital, which yours may or may not, but essentially it's a holdings company that now owns, you know, a lot of Paris painting, but now is also owning other painting companies. So it's another sort of roundabout, uh, I guess, way of achieving the same thing, not having to build it all. Right. It's kind yeah. of roundabout to the franchise model. Yeah. I've talked to Jason. Uh, I actually went out there in November and oh, nice. checked out his place. Um, what do you guys do together? So we're doing all their digital marketing. So we're oh, building, cool. building a revised site for them, uh, took over their PPC and our, they've, they've gotten largely to where they're at through uh, door hangers and, and through a lot of other marketing techniques. Yeah. Um, the online uh, has not been a huge driver for them. So to get to over 30, they're going to need to accelerate the online portion. That's, that's cool. That's good partnership. Um, yeah. I, so the acquisition model, I, I would consider that more of like an acquisition because they're buying a mm -hmm. minority stake in a company and maybe mm -hmm. eventually they'll buy the full stake. Like that's part of the value proposition of, of their holdings model is mm -hmm. we'll, we'll buy a minority stake. You will, you'll get our systems. And then, you know, if you ever want to exit, we could potentially buy the rest of it. Sure. Um, lic licensing is, is like, if I had a, a, a system of a company in a box and someone just like bought it and I didn't do anything. The franchising is like, they pay me a fee and you, you pay $50,000, you get all the systems. We, we help you with your marketing, that kind of stuff. So there's like, but it's all kind of the same, same vein. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense, man. So then you, your driver of, you know, when, when you're saying you're not going to stop at five and now you have more motivation because you have a bigger goal in front of you, your driver seems to really be the, the people. Cause it doesn't seem that you're money driven. You, you said after a couple hundred grand, it doesn't really make a difference. So what's, what is Can you elaborate on that? What's driving you? That's a good question. Um, yeah. People are very interesting. Like the, the human, the human journey is like the most interesting thing for me. I think there's two types of people. There's like people that are interested in things and there's people that are interested in people and like people that are interested in things like Elon Musk. That's like the, ex like the pinnacle example of someone that's interested in things. He's like a brilliant engineer and he's like, how do I build rockets to go to Mars? And then people that are interested in people, that's more like a, a Richard Branson type of person who's like, they're, they're focused more on the people. And for me, he, the, like the human experience is just like a, a fascinating thing. And um, like seeing my own journey from, you know, how much I've changed in my life and who I've become up until this point and who I might become in another 10 or 20 years. It's fun to be able to connect with other people. And I love just like the, how expand, how much expansion I get personally working with other smart people. Like I was on a, I was on a call the other day. Like I get, I get so much energy from people and like my worst, my worst situation is like to be in my office alone, like working on stuff that I don't want to work on. And I'm just like, it's so bad. But if I have like a, someone on a zoom call, like um, I have a admin person, Anna, she's on the East coast. She's helping me She's like does project coordination and uh, we're writing out all of our workflows and just like having her on zoom and I'm just like typing through my stuff, kind of just like talking out loud. I could, so, someone, I could, maybe me in the past or someone might think like, Oh, this is a waste of her time. Cause she's just watching me work. <laughs> but actually it's like, I, I can't distract myself because someone's like watching me 
And as I'm talking through everything, she says, oh, well, why not? Why don't we put that step earlier? Or why don't we put this extra question on the form when people actually sign up instead of like doing this later? I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. And then there's like something else that I, and like, I don't even know how to use our own software that I've been using for like six years. And she's like, oh, did you know you could do this? I'm like, oh, what? Oh, like, yeah. how did I not know that? So like, there, and, and then like meeting people like at the expo, like Brandon, like, oh, I didn't know I could, I didn't know it was possible to start a company and then franchise into seven locations in a year. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. So I'm just like constantly being expanded. And like even someone that's like you'd think might be like a lower level employee that you that you hire it's like oh i didn't think about that so but also like higher level just like the the human journey like what happens when i take uh someone and give them an opportunity and like we we grow together we learn from each other and then suddenly now they're off like doing their own company and like they're like a, a huge part of their growth has been passing through yeah. Our, the culture we've created and it's like to create a company culture we talk a lot about culture but it's kind of like a buzzword you know it's like what what really is culture sure. culture is like uh like it's the people the people hold the culture so like if you can if you can collect together the right people and like kind of just have an overarching intention of like hey we want to we want to be the best people we can be we want to develop our talent and create more opportunity or whatever our intention may be for the company and then you have a, a core of people and th those people attract more like people you've just like created a your own little world within the world yeah yeah i love that man and and the this idea that people who come through your company create their own company now you kind of have your your offspring companies got got baby company yeah. <laughs> maybe they maybe they need a minority partner Maybe they do. Yeah. I feel like we need to get you a, like a nanny cam, Aaron, like set up there and you, and you don't know, you know, there's a live stream. You don't know whether somebody's watching or not. So you just have to kind of keep working <laughs> in accountability uh, nanny cam. Now, thinking I guess, about I these guess, tech unicorns, man, this is an opportunity right here. I guess if there was like enough, if there was like actually people on there where I like, there might, there's like a decent chance someone was actually watching that might work. Hmm. This could be, this could be a service we could create. Like a live, like a live stream. Like if people are interested, like say people watch this and they're like, "Oh damn, this guy is interesting." I just want to like watch him work okay. at his computer. Yeah. It's gonna be super interesting. Then I'll just be on there and just like talking through my shit, you know, yeah. live stream. It's just content, right? You can I could become a celeb, like a YouTube celebrity just by live streaming. Just by doing your dad. job. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said he's gonna work from nine to six. I just I really want to see him work from nine to six. Yeah, and then you could like chunk it up into like five minute videos and you'd have so much content of me just would. working. You would, yes. The crazy thing is some people would probably watch that. Um, Not bad, yeah. Yeah, there's some, there is something there. So what what are, I guess, some of the mistakes you've made as you've grown your business to this point? Hmm. Like I haven't made any huge mistakes yet. Perfect. Perfection. But I'll take know, it. The that's probably because I haven't I haven't like been boldly growing until now. So I would expect some mistakes will be on the horizon. If you're mm. not if you're if you're not making mistakes, that means you're probably just like you know how how big of a mistake can I make just like going from like 80k to 120k to mm. 200k year revenue like what are the big mistakes that i'm going to make there like i underbid a job like the big mistakes come when you like make a wrong hire and like something something you know you, you made a huge tactical error because you're trying to do big things right so i feel like i haven't really done and i haven't really like bro broken enough things you know like facebook's motto is like move fast and break things Sure. They're, they're making a lot of mistakes because they're, they're moving fast and they're like trying to scale rapidly. So uh, I might have some good mistakes for you next time we talk. I love it. So then let me ask you this. You've talked with obviously a lot of the heavy hitters in the, the space and you've gotten a lot of good advice. What things do you think you might break moving forward? What are, what are potential um, things you think could go wrong as you now start to scale more aggressively? 
the good thing about this business is like it's so forgiving like our the cash flow model of a of a especially like a sub model like compared to a, a business like manufacturing or or like an, a tech company where like you have to you have to keep raising capital to like keep your runway going like that's so stressful and like any mistake like you could sink your company if you're yep. if you're in a manufacturing company and like you make them and like something happens with like your distributor and like some relationship goes wrong and then like now you're you you have like a huge shipment of stuff that's not usable like in the home improvement industry like that's a good question like what are some of the big mistakes that could happen it's like i feel like hiring the wrong people is probably probably the biggest mistake that that could happen because everything else is like it's almost as foolproof of as a cash machine as you can get. Mm-hmm. Like we're getting, we're getting 30% of our money up front. Like worst case scenario, like our risk is just distributed over hundreds of jobs as a residential painting contractor. You know, if someone in a commercial, a commercial type job, maybe they have like a, a job that they're doing. That's like, you know, 800 K a million dollar job. Maybe they're like a $5 million company. Like if one of those jobs starts to go sideways, that could be a big mistake, but in my model, the risk is so distributed that that the I think the really the main risk is the people. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great point. It is an attractive um, business model. I think Jason, Jason Paris, and Nick Slavic talked quite a bit about that at the expo about how attractive this is as a model and kind of overlooked. And they mentioned some some of what you said about the rolling up of companies. You know, I think the the as Jason said, the renaissance of painting industries has not yet occurred. I think that there's a tech revolution that hasn't for some reason reached painting, but I think it is reaching it. Um, you know, I like to think we're contributing a little bit for that, but I think that the, the companies that embrace that are ultimately going to be these companies that accelerate, you know, these, this forward thinking, like you're saying, uh, as opposed to, yeah, just, just a $500,000 million company and just kind of hang out there. I've seen a little bit of that with like a uh, paint Zen is a good example. You know them paint Zen. Yeah. I don't I don't know them though they developed this like you can go on their website and you can basically book your job through their um like online estimating thing Mm -hmm. so it's like Mm -hmm. how big is your room do you want the walls painted are they are they dark walls like do you want the windows painted like so it's like basically taking you through the estimate process digitally and then it's like yeah, sign up, book your job. Now you never had to speak to anyone. And then they sub out and then someone will come out to your house, do the job. And I think they, they sold the PPG for like 60 something million. Um, so that was kind of like a, the first tech play that we saw. Yep. Nice. That's great, man. Um, what in your company right now is going the best? What do you feel like you're just absolutely knocking it out of the park on? Hmm. I don't know if I'm knocking it out of the park on anything, but my best would be sales and marketing because that's the first thing I, I systematized and I don't really have to do much with that. I think it could be improved to get it to knock out of the park level. I think I'm still a little bit um, constrained because, you know, I have so many other things to develop in the business where like, if I had the production side systematized, I'd have more uh, bandwidth to like, really optimize sales and marketing even more but i think that's my strong suit right now is sales and marketing and then and then personally like my strong suit is um production like big picture production management like i feel like i'm i have a natural talent for attracting and retaining and managing subcontractor crews like I, I think because I speak Spanish, that's like a huge advantage. And I feel like I r- relate well and I'm able to, to work well with those, those crews and like keep them engaged and, you know, keep them happy, negotiate with them. Love it. And then um, I guess, w- w- you know, kind of moving forward, we've talked a bit about the painting industry and and obviously some of the developments that are happening some developments that we think are still going to happen do you how do you see it and, and you have touched on this some but in the next five years 10 years 15 years 
what do you see happening? What, what are the biggest changes you see likely coming? Um, and that maybe other painting contractors or company owners, if they haven't really thought about it, maybe won't, might want to start thinking about this. One thing other people probably might be thinking of already is uh, it, like the economy is going to be a huge factor. Obviously, we can't can't really predict what's going to happen, but it's been good for a long one, time, man. One thing I have thought of is like, what is like if we do have a a pullback in the economy, like let's say like a two thousand eight style thing, or it could be even like more impactful than that, depending on if we're on like a ten year cycle or are we on like a hundred year cycle. Um, what 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 kind of business model are we running? Like, are we going to be able to to absorb that and like scale back? Like, how much overhead do we have? How nimble would we be? Because if that happened, I think I would probably come out of the other side of it with way more market share because I'm my overhead is low and I'm like positioned. I'm not overextended, so that if there was a market pullback, I would be able to expand. And like maybe other marketing channels would like say Google ads and postcards and stuff, the ROI goes down, people aren't buying. Say I expand like doing door-to-door knocking. Like we, we hired one guy to, to start doing that the other day. Um, uh, so like there's, there's ways to expand in a, in a down economy. That's, that's one, one tactical thing I would consider. Um, but other than that, yeah, like like we've we've touched on like the the people have come in with like some tech plays in the industry. Rollups are happening. Um, there's definitely a huge opportunity for companies and like private equity is becoming more interested in in the industry. They're seeing like how much cash flow, how great of like a a model it is. So what's going to happen with that? Like, I would say, um, for me. I'm definitely interested in the roll-up thing. Like if I can scale myself to, to a point where let's say I'm doing like 5 million, 7 million in, in my region, just in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, and then I can start expanding. Maybe, I, maybe I can leverage other people's capital. Like maybe I, someone's like, Hey, I'll, I'll front up, some, I'll put up some money and then I can acquire some other companies and then start conglomerating and expanding. And then if I go from 5 million, if I buy another company that's worth 5 million, and then I suddenly have a collection of companies that's worth 30 million. Now I could, now private equity is going to give me like a good multiple on it. And then I could potentially exit maybe like buy more companies like the, once you start working at scale like that with like other people's money, particularly in like leveraging and like, doing that like there's I think there's a lot of opportunity there yeah I'm a I'm a big proponent of Robert Kiyosaki's philosophies and I've brought up a couple of them on the podcast but other people's time other people's money you know is ultimately how you you accelerate your growth yeah other people's time being like employees right employees subcontractors uh yeah you know kind of whoever whoever you need it's all ultimately about leveraging the resources and assets available to you uh not doing everything yourself not paying for everything yourself yeah, and that's like, I'm I'm in some entrepreneurs groups as well, and um, I it's interesting to challenge yourself about those things. Like other like, what are things that you're doing that actually could be outsourced? And challenging like, there's there's stuff that you might not think is possible to outsource that is like, can you can you hire a personal assistant to like return Amazon packages and like pick up your dry cleaning? or like call, call the bank and wait on hold. And like, there's like, I've, yep. I've, I've picked up some interesting things from other entrepreneurs. Like, huh, I guess maybe, maybe you could leverage your time even more. Yep. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I have a love hate relationship. Well, he doesn't have any relationship with me, but I have a love hate relationship with Tim Ferriss. And I, I've, I have tried to read his book Four Hour work week literally five times i've tried and i just can't I, I and i like to read books i finish every book i start except his i've made it halfway through and i just get too pissed i'm like this guy's too full of shit um at some point in here but a lot of his concepts and i think he really kind of started this uh, much of this revolution about trying to think more systematically about your entire life 
like you said, the dry cleaning or some, can someone conduct these errands or these calls for you? Um, you know, my, my wife and I have started thinking about our life the same way we think about our business, right? Like we hired a nanny, we hired someone who goes and does errands. We, because if, if it, if I wouldn't do that level of work with painter marketing pros, then why would I go do that level of work or that, that kind of, you know, not, not high value work outside of painter. It's, it's the exact same thing. You can start to think about your whole life and your business as one unit, not separate. Yeah. That's important. That's a, the, really the entrepreneur's mindset, right? Yeah. And you, you have to kind of, and I think it's one of the biggest struggles in this industry. I think it's a, a natural struggle anyways, but especially like you, you mentioned kind of coming up in painting, but you don't really necessarily like painting and the difference between painting and a business owner's mindset. If you come up in that practitioner mindset of, of you're a practitioner of painting, you're a painter. And, and that is a, I think it makes that, that mental transition more, more difficult, you know, of really, yeah. no, you're not a, a painter. Like we, I, I ran a, an interview, a, a podcast, live podcast with Jason Phillips at the expo. And he talked about the three stages of, of contractor prison and stage one, you're the contractor stage two, you're a sales and marketing company that provides the contracting service. And then stage three, like you said, you're a people development company. So I think mm -hmm. it's interesting to see those themes. Yep. Yeah. It's definitely way harder for someone that's, that actually was a tradesperson. Because mm -hmm. they have they have like that that connection to the trade, whereas like someone like me, I was just I, I didn't start I did paint, but um, like my first opportunity was like hire the painters. That's like the college works and college pro model, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting to see how many people from college pro are in like in the expo, like in high level. A lot of big hitters. Like. Yep like yeah they're breeding them man they're, they're like racehorses over here or something they're, they're coming out and doing well yeah i wonder it makes you think like is there an opportunity i, I was had a conversation with some of those guys at the expo like why why did that business shut down why did all the college painting companies deteriorate and like what, so kids don't want to do it anymore like what's what's the next play for giving people that opportunity entrepreneurship opportunity in the home improvement space because that was really their whole gig it was like take take young talent and be like hey learn how to be an entrepreneur and do this yep. uh, internship thing but but now some for some reason it was it, it got too hard to to market that to students so that's something i also think about like what how, how could you market that to kids and get them excited about it in, in, in some other way Aaron, I feel like you have a lot on the horizon, man. You, you have a lot that you're going to accomplish, and I'm excited to see it. You definitely uh, are well-versed in, in a lot of entrepreneurial themes and follow a lot of people and, and know a lot about a lot of different industries. So this has been interesting. Do you have anything else that you want to share uh, with, with any other owners of painting companies or anyone else who may be listening? Well, just based on what I've learned about myself recently, like always be thinking like, what do I really, what do I really want? And like challenge yourself, think, think big, but that's kind of cliche and it's sometimes it's, it's impossible. So what really, what really like helps is to put like, put yourself out there in situations. Networking is everything. Mentorship is everything. All it takes is like one hello can mean the difference between like a huge shift in your life. If you meet just one person, if you reach out to just one person and say, hey, like, do you, you want to get together for coffee? I'd love to learn more, whatever you want to say, some, someone you're interested in. I feel like I feel like people are the key. And like, it's amazing how how willing high performers are to to like mentor and like share with other people, you know? like the highest performing people are the most available because they're they have to be on top of their shit like the the the, the friend that you text that never gets back to you it's not because they're busy it's just because they're lame but like the person that's like super busy that has to running like a multi-million dollar firm they'll text you right back yeah yeah i've found that as well like people are way more accessible and way more willing to help people who are hungry to grow than than is widely recognized so reach out, yeah. ask for help, go to the PCA Expo, you know, network with anyone in the PCA, figure out who those yeah. heavy hitters are and, and try to get on their calendar, try to have a call with them. Network locally, 
like yep. network network who can you A&I, learn from chamber of commerce entrepreneurial groups yeah and then you'll then what i find is like i meet those people and they just expand my my mind more and more and then it helps me think bigger imagine yeah and i think the points too that you made about home services but then you brought in a lot of other stuff about other industries you don't have to just talk with painters you don't have to just think about painting and you can go learn from other industries uh, home services and elsewhere and you can come back and you can incorporate that into your painting company that's actually a great point because even home services i would think they're like the same theme and that that's actually when i go to those home services things it's like they're actually at a way higher level than the painting places like the, the pca expo versus like a remodeling conference the remodeling conference is like for some reason like the roofing and the siding guys that like there's like so much more professionalization in those industries already how dare you sir which no which means there's a lot more there's a lot more opportunity for us right yeah but you made, no, a, good, but you made a good but you made a good point um for other industries like i think the fact that i have like a i'm a member of eo the entrepreneurs organization hmm. and um what's a worldwide organization and being able to connect with people that run big law firms or software companies, it really expands my thinking more than just being in this, uh, what do you call it? Like the, where the echo chamber of like a, the painting yep. contractor world, like you can get a lot out of it, but what happens when you get people from different fields giving you ideas? Yeah, love it, man. Well, Aaron, thank you for taking the time. You definitely gave us a lot to think about and I'm excited to see your hundred million, hopefully, potentially $1 billion company moving forward. Yep. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, man. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.